So a satsang is an opportunity to experience bliss together. Is everyone open to experiencing bliss? Yeah? Anyone against it? <laughs> okay. That's good. You're in the right place. Bliss is our natural state. It's the state that we would be in 24-7 if we didn't obscure it with a cloud of ego, noise, chatter, worry, anxieties. All of these that are built on illusions. Whatever mental suffering you have, and even physical suffering, they are ultimately called, caused by and maintained by a false understanding of reality. And so the good news is they can be transcended. You can live in bliss even if your body is not entirely healthy, if there is discomfort in the body because you are not the body. And even if the mind is not happy, even if there is depression and anxiety in the mind, it doesn't matter because you are not the mind. And once you know you're not the mind and you can resonate above the mind in a transcendent state, then the power will be there to change the axioms, the unproven beliefs and fantasies and conditionings and traumas of the past that hold us in a state of unhappiness. And so if there is unhappiness that blocks your bliss, you should know there's a way out. Don't ever lose hope. And that way out is very easy if we have the right attitude. As is often said, an attitude of gratitude. Because everything is miraculous. The problem is today that we have imbibed as an indoctrination this belief in materialism. That we are just bodies and all there is is matter and motion. And there's no higher power, no wisdom. It's all chance, random, that whole Darwinian ideology. And we've been taken in by it so that we no longer tend to make the effort to find out for ourselves if there is actually a transcendent reality. But if you're willing to make the effort, you will find that you can penetrate through the box that we call this phenomenal plane and that there is infinite vastness beyond what we think of as reality. And it's here. It's not somewhere else. All of these interdimensional realities are here. And you have access to them because you are the source of them. And so the whole science of consciousness, the science of understanding reality from the perspective of the Absolute is a very ancient science. It's only been lost in the so-called modern age in which we have given up those ridiculous myths of religion. And there was some grain of truth in that shift into materialism because religions had become corrupted. They had lost the understanding of their own metaphors. They had taken themselves uh, and their texts as historical facts rather than cosmological myths and psychological spiritual myths that teach us about what's going on within us. But if we just shift a little bit our understanding of what is taught, whether in Christianity or Buddhism or Taoism or Hinduism, they will all point very congruently to the same inner truth. 
but we must actualize the truth that they are expressing and not just keep it as a, another ideology, another belief system. And so we're not here to take on yet another belief system, but to transcend all beliefs into the realization of what is truly real. And that's when you discover the bliss. Okay. And so let's take, for example, the Christian idea of the Trinitarian God. If instead of thinking of it as relating to a particular person during a historical period thousands of years ago, if we take it as an understanding that the father, who should be the father-mother, let's leave the sexism and gender out of it, that transcendent principle is here now, but is in a transcendent dimension. That's our first relationship to that which is beyond the ego mind. It's not up there in a physical sense, although sometimes I point up there. One of the reasons I point upward is that one of my early experiences that I call a near-God experience, it wasn't a near-death experience because I wasn't dying, but I was praying at the time, and uh, something happened, some force lifted me out of my body, literally, and I went upward and then into another dimension and experienced the, the being of light that I'm relating to. But that transcendent being is also here. So the father-mother, the transcendent, when you begin to have a connection, will, you will find a descendant energy, they will, the descent of grace, shakti, energy, love, power, and that will come anywhere, anytime. And it can sometimes happen when you're not even in prayer or contemplation because grace is always available to us. And then when you realize that you are that, that ultimate principle of unity, that it, God is not another, and whether you want to call that being God or the Buddha nature or the absolute or some non-theistic terminology, it's fine, it doesn't matter. The ultimate reality uh, doesn't care whether you're a theist or an atheist. Uh, but the connection of love to that supreme principle will make you ultimately realize that you are that same power. And you can think of it as life energy. It's what keeps our bodies alive. And you know, modern medicine and science doesn't know why we are alive. It doesn't know what life really is. But that life energy or prana, the source of it is the same energy and each of us is a manifestation or an emanation of this supreme power so that's the son or daughter the imminent principle but the transcendent the descendant and the imminent are all one so the general way we approach and realize our oneness with that is through first the transcendent a, a, a desire a yearning that produces uh, an attitude of prayer and devotion and uh, meditation. And then that brings closer the energy, the descent of the Holy Spirit, if you will, and then the incarnation, the avatar. In Sanskrit, this Shiva would be the transcendent, Shakti, the descendant, and the avatar as the imminent self. We are that now. Whether you have fully realized that you are an avatar, you are that now at this moment. It's only a matter of giving yourself the, the right, the privilege of experiencing the truth of your being.
when you're done playing around in the sandbox of the ego and want to know what your full potential of life is, it will happen. It's not reserved for some elite few. It is the nature of all of us. So how many are ready for that now? Yes, yes. Okay, beautiful. Because there's no time like the present. And this process doesn't require a long grinding practice. It may if you are resistant to it. Yes. The more that you, your ego mind says, no, I don't want it. I want to suffer a little longer. <laughs> and egos do want to suffer longer. If you side with the ego, okay, you'll make it difficult for yourself and no one can stop you from doing that. You have free will. But you can also choose that I've suffered enough. I don't need to fall in the same hole again. I don't need to go around the same block, the same gerbil cage. I've done it, and now I'm ready for liberation. Okay? It's that, that choice, to be, to be ready and to know that it's yours when you want it. And that's what we study here. And a lot of what we study has to do with the resistances. Because many people will say, oh, you say it's easy, but uh, it's so hard, I can't meditate, I can't stop my mind, right? All of that. So then we have to understand why. And then we learn the ins and outs of the unconscious formations of the ego. Because the conscious mind usually says, yes, I want it. But the unconscious says, no, 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 I don't really want it. You know, I really just want to make some more money, or I want to find a pretty girlfriend, or I want to get a nice car, or I want this or that or the other, right? So as long as the unconscious mind, and even the conscious, has other desires that are more important than this ultimate realization, okay, that, then your priorities will bring that about. But, you know, the Bible, again, has some wisdom in it, and it says, get thee the kingdom of heaven first, and then all will be added unto you. So you can still have a nice car, and a nice girlfriend, and a nice house, and all of those other things. There's nothing wrong with that. In fact, they'll be nicer to you if you're in a higher state, because you'll be nicer to them. Because that's where the suffering really is, right? In that illusion, that I'll get someone else who will make me whole, and then I'm fine. And that will never work. So we all know that. I'm not even going to talk about that subject tonight because we all know that one too well. (coughs) But when we find this innermost light and love and serenity that comes from the energy of the presence of our true being, our sat, we don't have any more desires. They just fade away. Because desire comes from a state of lack. And what we attract in our lives will be attracted from a fullness, from a state of generosity, of giving, of love, and not of, uh, of neediness, desperation, despair. It won't come out of that. It won't come out of fear. Fear always attracts more fear, and what you fear will come to you. So we don't want to make that our motivation, because the world is like a mirror, and it'll give you back what you're projecting out. And this is why the first phase of the spiritual process is always about purification. 
And that means dealing with the unconscious mind that's projecting its monsters out into the world because then those monsters will become real and, and attack you and you're, you're dealing with them. So we have to slay the monsters within. That's the spiritual battle that you read about in all the texts, whether it's the Bhagavad Gita or uh, the Old Testament or the New Testament. They're all about wars and struggle and you wonder why, but it's really a psychological struggle until you have defeated the, let's say, demonic tendency to sabotage yourself and to make yourself miserable. Because people do that, right? We have an inner enemy. We don't need outer enemies. And it's that inner enemy that cheats us of our own fulfillment, our own potential. Uh, Either because it says, no, I don't deserve it, or I'm guilty because of some imagined crime, probably being born to parents who didn't really want you, that kind of thing, as if you were responsible for that. All of these uh, rather senseless beliefs that we hold in our unconscious that we punish ourselves for, even for leaving home, even for becoming an adult, that's a crime. You know, if, if you had parents who wanted to hold on to you, you'll feel disloyal for having your own life and for individuating for become different, becoming different from the parents or what they wanted for you. And so often we do feel guilty for what is most healthy within us. The, the choosing of a path that maybe was unimaginable to the parents or the family tradition, etc. And we have to free ourselves from the chains of having to fulfill others' desires for how we should live so that we can open up to our own heart's desire. Otherwise, we'll keep our heart closed and betray ourselves in our lives. And this is, of course, very common today. So we have to free ourselves to know what our deepest desire is and then to allow it to manifest. And in every case that I've discovered, when someone really goes inside to discover their innermost desire, it is always to realize the God-Self. The problem is the ego wants to do it in all the wrong ways. It wants to do it by taking another drug, you know, in stronger and stronger doses, which may give you a temporary high, that's not bad, but the hangover afterwards gets worse and worse, and, and ultimately one requires a lethal dose. Whereas our brains will naturally produce all the chemicals we need for the greatest ecstasy. And we can live in the ecstasy permanently because it doesn't depend on chemicals. Because we're beings of light, we're not beings of chemistry. The chemistry is a secondary phenomenon. We are not bodies. The body is just a vehicle. And so that's all we have to do is to know that and then act upon it and use our power of thinking and attention to focus our mind on the source of our being. Usually our attention is focused out there, it's dispersed. And we can't keep our minds on one thing. And uh, we're all in a state of attention deficit disorder, you know, all the time. And seduced by all of the websites and the channels on TV and the new music and the iPods and the cell phones. and Our minds are constantly moving in nanoseconds from one object to another. And it's very hard to remain focused. And we need to practice remaining focused on one thing, on one non-thing, on the self, 
for a long period of time in a state of inner silence if you want to reach the bliss. Okay? That's the only small print. Okay? You've got to stop dispersing your attention out there in the world or thinking about the past or the future and be focused entirely in the present moment. And then the present moment, how long does the present moment last? If you have a clock and you want to measure the present, how long is it? No one has ever measured the present. No matter how good your atomic clock is and how, how micro your nanoseconds become, you can't get to the present. It's always already gone. So there is no such thing as a present if you're in linear time. So how do you live in the present? Everyone talks about that. Live in the present. Live in the moment. It's impossible. Unless your clock mind stops moving itself. If the mind stops producing thoughts, then the thoughts will stop. No matter what the clock says, you will be in a timeless state. And what is the present will be realized as extending through what we think of as time. It includes the past and the future. All of it is one eternal present when we have transcended the linear module of egoic mind. That's the key. We're always in the present. But the mind creates the illusion of time. And that illusion of time brings the bur- burden, the worry, stress. I'm late, you know. And I, I, I can't get it all accomplished in time. I, I've made too many appointments, too many obligations. I'm enredado, right, in all of those relationships. And, and, and it's hopeless. And that's why yogis recommend leading a simple lifestyle. Don't create unnecessary complications in your life. Don't create unnecessary stresses. Life will be stressful anyway, but you can keep it more manageable if you uh, have lost the ego's need to be uh, seen by as many people as possible, loved by as many people as possible, adored, approved of. And many people have an addictive need to get the approval of as many people as possible. Why? Because they don't have a sense of self-esteem that's internal, because they don't know who they are. And if they go even a moment without somebody saying, yes, you're good, uh, people can decompensate. They can collapse. They, they, can, they need to then call somebody on a cell phone <laughs> who will say, tell them that they're, they really are good people. <laughs> so we need to cut our neediness to, to get feedback from the other. And then we can turn within. But many people can't meditate because they're afraid that they'll be abandoned during the time that they're meditating. Because the fear of abandonment is huge in most people. It's repressed, yes, but it's there and it's very powerful. And that's why people get enredado in all these pathological relationships. And so we know that the, we have to know, we have to learn by experience that the one who will be there for us even at the moment of death and beyond death, who will never abandon us, is here now and is with us always. And it's only that that will give you a sense of security. That will be strong enough to help you through the moments of greatest adversity. And when that connection to the source and the center within is really strong, then you will have become someone who can 
be adequate to the challenges of life. And rather than being in a state of having to take constantly, you'll be a giver because you have excess. You have an overflow of love energy to offer to those who are in anxiety and who, who need to be seen. Because the problem is that you may need to be seen by many, many people, but there's really very few people in the world who will agree to see you. You know? They'll see your mask. And, and, uh, and you can change masks. You can put the smiling one on or you can put the, the angry one on. You know, people want to see different masks and you know which one they want and you can oblige them. But what's behind all the masks that you put in front of your real face? Uh, what's behind it all is something most of us don't even know because we've never been seen at the core of our being. And so we don't even know we have one. Very often people think I'm an imposter and there's nothing underneath all the masks. Well, in a way that's true. There is nothingness. <laughs> the Buddhists call it shunyata, emptiness. That, that is true. But if you go into that emptiness, free of all the identifications, then you find that it's actually full. It's filled with love and with bliss and with joy. But there's no person there. There's no entity, there's simply a cosmic awareness. And so are we willing to transcend the personal level of the petty world of constant activity or the stillness of the eternal present as not an individual separate from others, but the very energy that unites and underlies and permeates all that? Are you willing to realize that that is what you are? And your body is simply a vehicle for that energy to flow into this world. But you're not the body, you're the energy, the consciousness, the love, the light, the bliss of ultimate reality. If you're willing to do that, that's a sacrifice. And that's why the idea of death and rebirth is so common to every spiritual tradition. It is a sacrifice to let go of the self-image of the ego, to realize that who you are is not describable, not knowable by the mind. It doesn't appear in the mirror. When you stand in front of the mirror, you do not see yourself. You see only a bodily mask. But the one who's looking one is looking, that invisible one can realize through its own gaze at whoever you're looking at that we are all mirrors for each other and that what we see within the eyes of each being is the same single beautiful divine self and when we're willing to do that rather than to try to hoard some specialness at an ego level but realize that the unity of our cosmic self, that sacrifice is what will bring you to liberation. The death of the ego identity immediately is followed by the rebirth as the cosmic self. 
And in that moment, the mind lets go of all words. Because words are no longer useful to it. Words cannot describe. Words, the stories we tell each other, are completely obsolete. One is no longer interested in those stories. Whether they're good stories or bad stories. They become boring and they become ridiculous. And they all fall away. And the sense of being a separate being, needing, lost, searching, questing, all of that falls away. And what's present is a great laughter of realizing that all along you knew (coughs) that this is what You didn't discover this along the way. You always knew it and were hiding it from yourself. And now you're allowing yourself to know that this is what you are and this is why you are here. And if enough of us are willing to do this at this moment in which we are at a historic cusp in human history, when the present civilization that we are in is dying. I don't think that's news to most of you, is it? You can see every day another country in the world goes into civil unrest and revolution and overthrows its own government. And at the same time, the climate change, the food shortages, the oil shortages. I don't need to enunciate all of the crises that we're in. There are too many of them. It would take all night just to list the crises. And yet all of these are indeed the birth pangs of a new civilization that will be born out of the death, that will allow a rebirth at a higher level of consciousness in which we can restore the unity of the human family and the unity of the humans with nature, with the family of nature that we're a part of and have been alienated from and have been destroying and restore the earth to its pristine beauty that we have so spoiled. But we can do that if we are, enough of us are willing to reach that critical mass of higher consciousness, critical energy level that will resonate out and will awaken others through the very power of the transmission of the energy. You don't have to do anything. You don't have to march in the streets. You don't have to protest. You just have to send out that energy of unity and love. If enough of us do that, it will create a different trajectory of human history that will end this cycle but begin a new one at a much more beautiful level in which there's no more war, there's no more conflict, and we can harmoniously create new kinds of communities on new principles of organization, not based on profit and competition and hatred and projection, demonizing people of other religions, faiths, ethnic groups, etc. No, but a recognizing that oneness, we will produce completely new forms and ways of living together that are win-win, that in which everyone benefits, nature benefits. It's within our power to do that. If we will make the sacrifice of the ego and harmoniously work together, play together. 
So the bliss that we are seeking and are going to experience tonight, if you're not already in it, is not a selfish act. It's the most unselfish act because it is a connection with everyone that can restore the faith of those who have lost their faith and restore the interconnectivity that quantum physics has already proved exists even with subatomic particles. How much more interconnected is the human spirit? That interconnectivity can, as it rises, as it augments, as it synchronizes, will synergistically grow to such levels that the impossible will become possible. And so I hope that you will all join in this historic celestial revolution that needs to happen to create a kingdom of heaven on earth again and let this hell realm be taken out of its misery so that oppression ends and hunger ends and all the plagues of the world can end and be replaced by a planet of love. How many would like that? (laughs) We can do it. We have the power to do it. And all it takes is the willingness to stop your ego mind from creating misery. That's all. That's not a lot to ask, is it? To stop the ego mind, to be in the stillness for long enough to erase the tapes. Okay, it's like having one of those old answering machines with the with the cassettes in it. You know, uh, if you keep the mind silent long enough, all the old tapes get erased, and we start fresh. And then what we record on the inner tapes are simply the blissful energies of the supreme presence. And so if we play that now, consciously in our mind, either verbally or non-verbally, by just continuing to remember that I am that, I am the absolute, the supreme presence, the incarnation of the energy of love and bliss, the light itself, that is what I am, functioning through the body, not the body, not the physical, but the, the incorporeal, eternal self. The remembrance of that creates a new kind of circuit that will actually change the way the brain functions, the way the neurons fire, and the potential powers of this biocomputer of ours that we are not using to its full capacity by any means will begin to create different kinds of capacities that you were not aware of but that they are part of the human repertoire and that they used to be common in what we call laughably the primitive societies that were much more advanced in psychotechnology and the archaeologists not archaeologists, the anthropologists and the explorers who have gone with recording devices, videos etc. to whatever remainders of those societies like in New Guinea and in uh, uh, 
Borneo, places like that, have seen that there are still shamans who can go out of body and who can have telepathic connection with people in the next village. They can know where others are on the trail. They know where the game is. They know where the water is. They know when the storms are coming. They're connected to nature. And we've lost that through our alienation and urbanization and all of that. But those potentials of being interconnected in a very real and practical way. So you won't need to buy another iPhone, you know. You'll have it in your brain. (coughs) Nobody can steal it from you. Those capacities and others, the capacity to heal through the transmission of this energy. And many other creative downloads from the Akashic records, from the store of wisdom, the noosphere that does exist at a more subtle level of our reality. When we attune to it, we will receive inspirations that will help us in a very practical way in life. This isn't just theoretical woo-woo. This is real. And every great scientist who has come up with uh, insights, new paradigms, new theories that have been proven true, have, have all very humbly said, I took dictation. I received this. It wasn't my mind that created this. I simply opened to receiving the wisdom. The same with composers of great music and great artists, dancers, musicians of all kinds. They will all admit this. Poets admit it. Novelists. They were receiving and passing it on. But the source is beyond the ego mind. And so the more that we have developed the capacity to meditate, the more the creative flow of wisdom, joy, aesthetic beauty, power of healing... And truth, in every possible way, will flow through us. How many would like that? Good. It's for you. It's available to you. It's your birthright as a child of God. You deserve to have that experience. Don't cheat yourself. All of us are shamans. All of us have the potential to be great healers. But there may be a period of inner work that is necessary. And that's where the courage comes in. Facing the demons. Facing the old habit patterns that want to reassert themselves. The old addictions. The old fears of abandonment, the old anxieties and guilt that I'm not good enough and I don't deserve this, and all of those false things that we constantly bombard ourselves with. And we may need help to to get rid of those, and we need to be humble enough to accept the fact that we need help, guidance, counseling, processes to undo those unconscious formations and inner loops of ongoing negative thoughts. And so we have developed a methodology, a psychotechnology to help people to do that here. We call that Atmanology. And part of that is to learn to interpret your dreams. And everyone has dreams, whether you remember them or not. 
We all have dreams. You know, and, and mainstream <coughs> psychology, even today, wants to deny that dreams have any meaning. They want to say, oh no, they're meaningless garbage, residue from the day, etc. But those who have studied dreams, ever since Freud, you know, in 1900, he wrote his great book, The Interpretation of Dreams, and people who have open-mindedly begun to study their own dreams, they have found not only do they have meaning, but they demonstrate a higher intelligence than the consciousness that's trying to interpret them. The dreams come from a place of higher consciousness than your waking mind has. Higher intelligence, a higher IQ. And the dreams are coded so that they look like they're meaningless or garbage or, or pointless or I already knew that. They look as if very often that they're not very important to, to work with. And yet when you put some attention on it, then you discover, well, wait a minute, this is a symbol. What could this symbol mean? And you start thinking about it and you realize, oh my God, there's a whole world of significance, many, many dimensions often of meaning in your dreams. Even very simple dreams with just one snapshot of, a, of an image can contain a tremendous amount of depth and wisdom that can change your life if you are willing to read it carefully. So it's coming from a higher intelligence within you and that higher intelligence is putting it in a code so it won't be censored or repressed. Which means there's a part of you in your unconscious that doesn't want you to get that information. This is important to know. That's that inner enemy that wants to block your connection to the Atman or the Holy Spirit, the real self. It's trying to reach you and it's easiest to reach you when you're asleep because you're, you're, you're not blocking the reception of those messages. And if you train yourself to remember them and then to learn to decode them and learn the language of dreams, you will have a, an ally in your transformation process that will give you information about what's going on in the unconscious mind to help you to overcome the sanskaras, the tendencies that may be there for many lifetimes in the past, not just from childhood. And that's the problem with the Freudian understanding is it only deals with the childhood level. It doesn't recognize anything beyond that. And it only, uh, the Freudians think that, okay, dreams uh, represent a, a repressed wish. But whose wish is it? It's not just the infantile wish, although it may be showing you that there's a fragment of a frozen infantile self that's still active in your unconscious. But it's the wish of the Atman that you be liberated from that, that is really responsible for the dream. And so if you will understand where the dream is coming from and make that connection to the source, that will accelerate your transformation tremendously. You could say every night you're getting a, a love letter and a message to empower you from God. If you're willing to read the letter, open it, understand it, then you're much better off than if you put it in the drawer and refuse to read it. Knowledge is power. So claim your power, accept the message, learn the skill of dream interpretation. This was always part of every religious uh, lineage. You know Joseph, the dream interpreter in the Bible, and King Solomon and 
in the East, it, it's been part of the yogic tradition since the beginning. Dream yogas in Tibet have been very famous. It's been, it's everywhere, but we have lost it. We've lost even an interest, for the most part, in looking at our dreams deeply. So that's one of the things that we do here. We also study the paranormal level of reality, the really far out stuff that I'm not even going to get into tonight because your hair would be standing on end and you know, it creates sight problems for people. But there is, to really understand reality, we need to know that there's a lot going on in this world that you will not see on CNN uh, or even in the internet. There's a lot of very important phenomena that are going on that we need to understand especially if we're directly impacted. So in the higher levels of our school, we study the paranormal dimension of reality. When you're ready for it, when you can handle it. So we study everything, and we don't, you know, the normal school system cuts everything into disciplines and sub-disciplines until you know a huge amount of almost nothing. (laughs) Well, here we have the opposite. We want to know at least a little bit about everything and what that everything really means. So it's a holistic approach to education that's very different from the one out there because the one out there means people end up visionless. And you know, when there is no vision, then people die. That's in in Proverbs, also in the Bible. And we have now become a people without a vision. And so we want to understand the whole and have a vision of reality that enables us to know how to respond to reality in all of its dimensions. So if you're interested in that, please feel free to come and join our school. And we've, we've now established a number of different levels of membership. You could have a limited membership if you just want to come and meditate and come to satsangs and to our drumming circle. We have a wonderful drumming circle now that Misty is running. We have a chanting group. Gita is leading and uh, we have a creative writing class and uh, we have a number of of classes that are interesting that don't require an ongoing participation. You can drop in, come as seldom or as often as you want. But if you want to then become more involved and begin reading some books of a very high level about all of this, then we have a permaculture class, we have an advanced class, Permaculture is taken off from permaculture, which is a a way of agriculture that's ecologically accurate. But on top of that, the principle of prema, or divine love, has been integrated with permaculture. Because one of our other projects of our, our umbrella group, let's say, our spiritual order beyond the school, is to create an ashram here in Costa Rica, a rural spiritual retreat center and, and a kind of monastery for yogis who want to live that life of meditation and, and enlightenment and train to be teachers and guides for others. And we are, are also in the process of creating a, a, a retreat center for those who want to come for short-term or medium-term retreats to, if you're burned out, if you want to rethink your life and restore your energies, etc. It's going to be a place of healing. And around it will be an eco-village and the first stage will be kind of a retirement community and eventually then we will invite people with children and when we are able to have schools and other things. So we have a very ambitious uh, development project of a larger community because we see that in a very short time 
uh, it's going to be a problem to have food because with peak oil and with all the conflicts and the food shortages in the world, it's very important to start growing your own. And we are beginning that process of doing that. We have food forests and gardens and uh, we're developing uh, the most high-level kind of ecological agriculture that we can and we have consultants helping us in, in the permaculture level of development. And so you're invited if you want to participate and be part of a very rich community that is starting to develop, please ask us about it. It's open. And this project is also going to include an artist colony. We want to have music concerts. We want to have a very rich cultural life in, in this community. And so uh, those who want to participate at that level also are very, very welcome to, to join us. So however you want to participate uh, at, at a very minor level or at a major and intense level, you're welcome to do so. We have something for everyone. And something to offend everyone. <laughs> something to scare everyone. But also something to liberate everyone.